Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to go ahead and look at the last portion of verse 6, and then we're going to read verse 7. We're just going to look at these two short passages. And I wanted to start off as you're looking at that passage Uh, Just to ask a question is simply this. What would you say is an activity or a task that can induce anxiety in a person? So just kind of pause and think about that for a moment. Think about an activity or some kind of task that will induce some sense of anxiety uh, within a person. Uh, For me, one one incident that happened, it was in my form, what is it, form 2, which is eighth grade for those of us who are from the American system. I was about 13 years, 13 years old, and that was where I had to give my first public speaking um, presentation. And so pretty much uh, we had, all of us in that class had to give a speech. And all I can say was probably the most anxiety-inducing and one of the most nerve-wracking experience for me. In fact, I don't know how some, some of you feel about speaking in public, but I ended up getting the red creepers. Do you guys know what the red creepers, what that is? Well, that's when your face is just regular, and then all of a sudden it starts turning red because you're so nervous. I started getting the red creepers, and then some of my friends told me that I was actually moving, and I was moving to a box. So I kept on doing this. I kept on moving and doing this because I was so nervous. I was so nervous, so I started making a, a box. And... Uh, there are so many things when I think about life that is so stress-inducing, anxiety-filled, that for many of us, it's, it's at a point where we shut down. And I know that some of us, we have different issues of social anxiety. Uh, some of us, just through a lot of biological reasons and even mental health is a big issue. And this idea of truly being able to overcome anxiety and even the stress in our lives, especially during this time. Uh, we're so busy with family and friends and shopping and all this other stuff that's going on. And whatever is causing the stress or the anxiety for you, it's different for different people. I wanted to show you this really quick video about a person, and I, um, we're not trying to laugh at this person, but I thought it was kind of interesting because this person had never gotten an injection in his life. And so you got to try to, and this happened in China. Uh, he was an older gentleman. He never got an injection in his life. But as with COVID and everything that was going on, they were all trying to get injections on this. And so I want you to watch this, and I want you to see how stressful this person is feeling and the anxiety that this person is going through because he has never received a shot in his life. So let's just watch this together really quickly. I don't know if you hey, is a good Chinese word or not. But you could just feel the tension and the anxiety and the stress because he's never gotten a shot and he doesn't know what it feels like and the unknown is overwhelming him. Can I ask us this morning, what is it for you? As I mentioned earlier, some of us, it might be a social setting or a gathering that causes a lot of of that anxiety and that stress. Maybe you struggle with the fear of uncontrollable situations, things that are are unsure. And that's why whenever a a situation of a, a virus 
whether it's SARS from many years back to COVID, it produces a lot of stress and anxiety in us. Maybe you struggle with finances or things of the future. Maybe you struggle with the relational conflict. And I'm very aware that during a Christmas season, the, one of the reasons why there's so much stress and anxiety is because some of us, we don't have a good relationship with our family. Some of us are estranged from our children or from our parents or from some of those who are close to us, but no longer for whatever reason because of some kind of conflict in our lives. So whatever that is causing you to not have peace during this Christmas season, I want to share with you that Jesus Christ came into this world so that we can have peace. If you remember last Sunday, those of us who were here, we talked about how we have this marvelous hope because of the birth of Jesus Christ. And whenever we're going through hopeless situations, we're able to have hope because Jesus gives us this hope that is matchless, that cannot compare to any other hope in this world. And that is the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. Today, I want to talk about this marvelous peace that only Jesus can give, especially when we're facing anxiety and, and chaos in this world. So let me give us the one thing. The one thing is simply this, that Jesus' peace offers us calmness even when we face unstableness. So Jesus' peace, he's offering us this calmness even as we are facing the unstableness in our lives. I want to talk about two things in this passage. Two things that I want us to remember about the peace that Jesus offers, which gives us a calmness even when we face unstableness. The first thing is this, is that Jesus' peace is extensive. Will you say that with me? Jesus' peace is extensive. That it's not just one particular area. It covers a whole bunch of areas in our lives. It's very extensive. We're going to go ahead and read verse 6. Listen to what it says in verse 6. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and we read this uh, last week, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, and here are the two other descriptions. It says, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. The thing that I want us to remember from last week, which is going to be appropriate for today as well, is that the key thing that we have to remember is that the son being born and given to us is by a gift. You cannot earn it. You and I, we don't deserve it. It is freely given to us by God the Father who gave us his son, God, Jesus Christ, to us. The two names that we talked about, the two traits, was simply the wonderful counselor and mighty God last week. Now I want to examine the other two names so that we can understand this marvelous peace that we could have in our lives. The first, the first of the third, I guess the four titles, the third one is Everlasting Father. Now, it's very important that you understand that this does not mean Jesus was also the Father. And I think this is where a lot of us misunderstand Scripture because it is not saying that Jesus is not only the Son, but He's also the Father. That's not what this is saying. What you need to understand is better translated as Father of eternity. So what does that mean, father of eternity? Well, you need to understand a little bit about the Hebrew language and the culture, because whenever they use the word father, what it's not like how we understand father, but they're referencing to a source or the originator. 
This is the part that's very important. So for therefore, in John chapter 8, verse 44, you remember Jesus referring to the Pharisees and talking about how they're trying to twist some of the truths of God. What did he say? He says that you are the son of Satan in the sense we're being used by him. But he says he is the father of what? Lies. So what the Bible is referring to whenever it means father in here, it says that it is the source or the originator. Just like Jesus used that when he talked about how Satan lies to the people, that he is the source or the originator of lies. So the point is simply this, that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is the source for everything that is eternal, that is everlasting. So when it comes to having genuine peace that will last, we have to remind ourselves that it only comes from Jesus, who was born and was given to us on this day, this, the Christmas day. And it's a peace that is eternal and lasting. And I want to just pause here and just challenge us. I'm wondering whatever is consuming you or causing the anxiety or the stress in your life. If you were to sit there and think about this for a moment, you will realize that a lot of those things are temporary. And this is the reason why some of us go through unnecessary anxiety and stress in our lives. Because there are things that are so temporary that we get so consumed and we worry about that oftentimes when we learn how to trust in God, knowing that He is the originator, that He is the Father of eternity, then we will be able to trust and have the sense of peace that the Scripture reminds us of. The second thing that we notice here is not only everlasting Father, but it's known as Prince of Peace. That's another title that is given to the Son that was going to be given to us. We have to remember that the word peace in the Hebrew is shalom. Many of you know that word. You've heard that word before. So in a, generous, in a general sense, it implies the idea of wholeness or completeness, prosperity, or even tranquility. So it's more than just kind of like shalom, like high. It really is this wholeness that we see, that we all desire. And that's why when it's used in the context of a relationship, it depicts this idea of friendship or care or loyalty and love, whether it's between us and God or between one another. Therefore, a relationship of peace is one that is described by loyalty and love. That's why when we see this, he is the Prince of Peace. It's referring to the shalom that is given to us, that it's not just a one part, but it's the wholeness. Once again, Jesus' peace is extensive. Listen to what Cornelius Plantica in his book, Not the Way It's Supposed to Be. Excellent book if some of you want to read something over the break. He defines shalom in this way. He says this, The webbing together of God, humans, and all creation and justice, fulfillment and delight is what the Hebrew prophet call shalom. We call it peace, but it means far more than mere peace of mind or a ceasefire between enemies. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. A rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed. A state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures to whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, 
It's the way things ought to be. And that's why when you think about shalom, it should remind us that it's about God's goodness, what he intended from the beginning of time. And so when you are breaking shalom, this is how you describe sin. Bottom line is this. It's simply, if you think about it in the context of relationships, when there is no peace or shalom, then there is sin. That's why some of you right now, in your relationship with your family, your relationship with other people in your life, whether those of you who are working with your boss or your colleagues, some of you with some of your friends because maybe they gossiped or they hurt you in some ways or some kind of misunderstanding, that is the breaking of shalom. This is the reason why sin enters in. There's jealousy, there's bitterness, there's hatred, there's hostility. All those feelings that we go through is because we have broken shalom or shalom has been broken. So not only in the Old Testament that I want you to understand this, but in the New Testament, in the Greek, the word peace is similar to shalom, but it has, it has to be seen in the context of a Christian worldview. In the Old Testament, they, they were just waiting for the Messiah to come. In the New Testament, the Messiah already arrived. And therefore, you got to understand this word peace in the New Testament with this Christian worldview of what Jesus Christ has already done. In the New Testament, the word peace is irene, which indicates it is an absence of war or conflict or absence of hostilities. Now, that makes a lot of sense if you, those of us who are in this room who are believers in Jesus Christ. Because when you think about this word, shalom, or irene in the Greek, you will notice it's referring to the absence or there is no longer war, no longer hostility, and no longer conflict between people. And so when you look at this word, it is constantly this idea in the context of having no strife with another person. In fact, this is what we call in Asia this harmonious life. You're living harmoniously with people around you. All throughout the New Testament, Apostle Paul, he encourages the believers to live at peace, irene or shalom with one another. That's why this prophecy in verse 6 that we read in Isaiah chapter 9 is referring to Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Now, what does that mean, the Prince of Peace? It means that Jesus is the captain or the leader who will secure and bring the greatest peace. That's why he's called the Prince of Peace, because his peace cannot be compared to any other peace in this world. This is why the message of Christmas is that Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, has come into this world. Do you remember in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2, verse 14? I'm going to read it from the New King James Version. Listen to what it says here. It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Everyone say that word. Peace. So glory to God in the highest because here on earth comes the Prince of Peace, the peace and goodwill towards men. That's what, ha that's what they declared, the angels declared, when Jesus Christ was born, that the Prince of Peace has come. He has entered into this world. Now, let's think about this for a minute. Let me unpackage that. I think this is very important. 
because this idea of this marvelous peace, you have to be convinced this morning that it is only found through Jesus Christ. Now, when you think about Jesus being the Prince of Peace, it accomplishes several things for us. And this is why every single one of us, we need to understand this idea of Jesus being the Prince of Peace. First of all, let me try to unpackage this a little bit. Jesus gives us spiritual peace. This is something that's very important. The thing that we have to comprehend is that every single one of us, especially if some of us in this room have not placed their trust in Jesus Christ, you are an enemy of God. Now, some of you are like, wow, I thought God loved me. But I want you to listen very carefully. You and I have sinned against God. And for God to be righteous and holy, he needs to punish sin. So that is why the wrath of God is upon every single one of us. But those of us who trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he becomes like a shield, if you will, upon the wrath of God that is upon us. And he was able to accomplish this when he died on the cross. So all of us in this room, at one point or another, or even still right now, we were enemies of God. There was hostility between God. That's why this Irini, this shalom, this peace, we did not have. Why? Because we have sinned against the holy God. Let me give us some verses to help us to back this up. But if you think about Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection, that is the only way we can experience this spiritual peace. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Listen to what it says and read the yellow section with me. It says this, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were what? Come on, say this. Still His enemies. So while we were still enemies with God, God in His love, He sent His Son as a gift to us. And we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. Here's another verse, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 in the New Living Translation. Read the yellow section with me. Therefore, since we have been, what? Made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. So once again, we were enemies. There was hostility towards God. But then he made peace because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Here's another verse, Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 through 20. It says this, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. It was only by Jesus, not only living the perfect life that you and I could not live, but by dying on the cross and shedding his blood, that is the only way that we, were being, we would be able to be reconciled with this holy God. So now we are no longer enemies of God, but as the Bible talks about, we are now friends of God because of Jesus Christ. That is why this peace is so important because then you have spiritual peace with, with God. The second thing that I want you to notice here is not only... Does he give us spiritual peace? But Jesus guides us with eternal peace. He guides us in this life with eternal peace. Now, oftentimes we lack peace when there are situations, as I mentioned earlier, that are outside of our controls. I want you to think about this for a moment. Like whenever you feel the stress or the anxiety and the lack of peace, a lot of times it's because you're not in control. 
Just think about what happened this past week. Think about what happened this past month. Maybe this year. Or some of you are like, maybe three years. The whole COVID, that, that was not in your control. And that has caused so much stress and anxiety and a lack of peace in our lives. And so a lot of times when we have this, like feelings of not being controlled, we start getting into this negative thought process. Oftentimes it leads to fatalistic thoughts. Why even try? That's not worth it. Some of you right now in this room have that kind of thought process. You're very negative. You always think that it's not going to work. You always see the cup half empty instead of half full. A lot of it is because, once again, internally, there is no peace. You're battling with yourself. You're battling with your mind. You're battling with your emotions. And that is why the feelings of anxiety and even the stress, it affects you just in a tremendous way. That's why for some of us, we don't even see you for several days, even weeks. You just checked out because you're feeling overwhelmed. But this is when we have to remind ourselves that Jesus gives us his peace, which then allows us to be guided by him, especially during the turmoil and the stresses that we experience on a daily basis. Let me give us some verses. In the book of John, it says this, John chapter 14, verse 27, and I want you to say the yellow section with me. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. So once again, Jesus is the only one that can give us this peace. And it says, I do not give to you as the world gives. So once again, he wants to explain how different it is from what the world offers in terms of their peace. He says, do not let your hearts be what? Troubled and do not be afraid. Your heart's being troubled. You being afraid. Those are all signs of things that are outside of your control. And a lot of times internally, it plays with your, not only your heart, but in your mind. Let's continue on. Here's another verse. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. Read this yellow section with me. And once again, it says, let the peace of Christ, the inner calm. So once again, the sense of peace that comes through Jesus Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him. It's about abiding with him. Be the what? Come on. Controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace, indeed, you were called as members of one body of believers and be thankful to God always. So what do we see? We see that no matter what you're going through internally, only Jesus can give you this peace. And it is this peace, whether you are troubled or afraid, that it's the controlling factor of your hearts. But Jesus now frees you if you really receive his peace in our lives. So we see the spiritual peace. And now we see the internal peace that he offers. And lastly, I want you to notice Jesus grows us with relational peace. He grows us with relational peace. I think one of the biggest causes of the lack of peace that we experience in our lives is relational. If I were to do a Mentimeter or have all of us close our eyes and raise our hands, I would, I would not be surprised if majority of our hands went up to say right now at this very moment, I do not have peace with certain people in my life. 
Now, some of you are just amicable or just wanting to get along, and it's kind of like, yeah, if they're there, they're there. But not in the sense what the biblical writers wrote about, about loving God and loving people. Loving your brother or sister in Christ. So right now, many of the emotional things that some of you are going through, even the mental things, majority of those things are related to some kind of relationship. You know, it always breaks my heart when I talk to parents. And some of you will slowly realize this as you get older, get married and have your own children. Is that whenever there is some kind of riff or tension between you as a parent and one of your child or children, I'm telling you right now, it breaks your heart. It is one of the most painful things that you can go through. Some of you are on the other end where you are that child. And right now, there is an emotional or maybe just a relational conflict right now with your parents. And that is very painful. Maybe that's why you're here instead of going home. No, I'm kidding. I know many of you decided to go for the Chinese New Year. I understand. But you know how that is. You do everything possible to avoid them. When was the last time you even talked to them? For many of us, it's so painful. It's so deeply, there's wounds in our hearts because of this lack of relational peace. Some of you might not even be family. It might be roommates. It might be some friends or you thought they were your friends, but now because of what they did, they hurt you or you hurt them. And so everything inside of you wants to reconcile, but if that other person doesn't reconcile, it is one of the most painful and most difficult things because you're stuck. You're left there. You want to say sorry. You have said sorry, but then it's, it's that situation where you know that it will never be the same. Like those are the things that cause a lot of anxiety and even stress. In our lives. I think all of us know what that feels like. When there is this lack of relational peace, it really causes us not to live out the command of loving God and loving people. That's why we got to remember Jesus, the Prince of Peace, have made a way for us on this Christmas day so that we can have peace with Him but also peace with one another. Let me give you some of these verses. In Ephesians, it says this. It says, For he himself is our peace, who has what? Made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Now, as you know, Paul is referring to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, and the Jewish people, that because of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, he broke that barrier so now they can love one another. Here's another passage in Romans chapter 14. It says this, verse 19, the Amplified. It says, so then let us pursue with enthusiasm the things which, come on, say this, make for peace and the building up of one another, things which lead to spiritual growth. Some of you in this room, and I'm going to say this boldly, you're not growing spiritually because there's no peace relationally. And some of us are like, oh, just, I'm not going to be their friend anyway, or I don't really care about them. But this is where I want to challenge you. It's not about you, whether you want them to be your friend or not, or you want to be their friend or not. The point is, especially if they are a believer in Jesus Christ, you will not grow spiritually 
if there is no peace. That is why Paul keeps on reminding the believers, whether it's in Ephesus, Colossae, it doesn't matter to the Thessalonians or wherever he will go and write these letters or he would speak to those people in his mercenary journeys. He's constantly reminding them the importance of being one, to love one another, to reconcile. I'm just wondering this morning if some of us need to respond to God and say that there, there is a person and there are people in my life that I have not been at peace. That I know right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, as God has convicted me, I need to be at peace. Now please, remember this. That person may never respond the way you want them to. But this is about obeying God. If God tells you go and say sorry or go and try to reconcile and they refuse to reconcile with you, it is on them. But at least for yourself, you obey God and you will be set free and then you can live and grow in this peace. Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace, He gives us spiritual peace, guides us with internal peace, and grows us with relational peace. Therefore, we must understand that followers of Jesus Christ, you and I, we experience peace when we trust in God and grow in our faith. I, I love what he says in John, John chapter 13, 16, verse 33. I'm going to read it from the message translation. Colloquial, but something to, it's easier to understand. I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured. And say this yellow section, deeply at peace. I love that. Deeply at peace. It's like an anchor in a violent storm, in the ocean, with all the waves. You're deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart, I've conquered the world. Do you have this kind of peace this morning? How about us? Regardless of what you're going through, are you, are you aware and are you experiencing Jesus' peace? Do you have the spiritual, internal, and relational peace? I'm wondering if you know Jesus being the Prince of Peace and how he can give you this greatest peace that you have yet to experience. I want to close with the second point. Not only does Jesus' peace, it's extensive internally, spiritually, relationally, but I want you to see here that Jesus' peace is everlasting, that his peace is everlasting. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 7. Listen to what it says in verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is what I want to close out with. Is that not only is Jesus' peace extensive, but it is everlasting. You will notice that after describing some of the character traits of God, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, this, this Prince of Peace, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, he now begins to prophesy, the prophet Isaiah, about the Messiah's kingdom, and there are a couple things that you need to know about the kingdom. I want to first talk about the foundation 
of the kingdom. Jesus' kingdom that he ushered in when he came into this world. There's this reference to his government. Now, it's, he's not going to be like this king, uh, the earthly king. He's not going to run for office and, into the politics and the execo. That, that's not what he's referring to when you see government. When you see that word government, it points to Jesus' rule and his reign. That he is governing over all the earth. And that is why it says here it is ever-expanding, ever-increasing, and along with his peace, it says that it will be established for the throne of David. Now, once again, some of you don't really have much experience in the Old Testament and understanding different concepts. And so I want to try to explain it so that you can understand, wow, this is what was prophesied about Jesus Christ. The reason why this is important is because it reminds us that God is faithful to his promise and to his covenant. What does that mean? God made a covenant with the Israelite people through Abraham. And he says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And anyone who blesses you, I will bless. Anyone who curses you, I will curse. And he says, look at the stars and even the sand on the seashore. What he's simply saying is as numerous as those stars and the sand in the, sea, uh, in the ocean, he says, I'm going to make your descendants great. That was a promise that God made to Abraham. Why? I don't know. Why does he do a lot of things in life? We just don't know. He could have chosen other people, but he decided to choose the Israelite people and make this promise that became a covenant that God said, I am going to be faithful to this covenant for generations and generations and from everlasting to everlasting. And the reason why this is important is that he mentions this throne of David. Out of the throne of David, the Messiah, who will be a descendant of David, will come into this world and he will establish his kingdom as an everlasting kingdom. This is why when you think about Jesus' birth, you'll see this in the Gospels, in the book of Luke. Listen to what it says here. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, referring to Jesus. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. So once again, this idea of the throne of David, it's something that is, continues on from generation to generation. And um, let's see if I can read over here. And then he says what? And he will reign over the house of Jacob, what? Forever. And his kingdom will be no end. So think about that for a second. It says here, as we, it was prophesied, that his house will be forever and it will reign. And there is no end. Once again, it is an everlasting kingdom. Now, Jesus' kingdom will be established and upheld with what? With righteousness and with justice. So once again, when you think about the government and the politics, there is so much corruption. I don't think there's a single person that would deny that. Because we're sinful beings. But what we see here is that Jesus' rule and his reign, it is going to be done with justice and with righteousness. That means that everything that he does, it's going to be done according to his will. Now, this is the foundation of his kingdom. Now, once we talk about the foundation of his kingdom, I want to talk about the fulfillment 
of this kingdom. And this is where we see this idea of how his peace is everlasting. Once the Messiah's kingdom, as he mentioned, it is established, he's going to fulfill it, and the key phrase is, through his zeal. So it's God who made the unconditional covenant with Abraham all the way down to David, and he's going to establish David's throne forever. The reason why this is important is that God, whenever he makes a promise, he never fails on fulfilling his promise. Never. Now, some of us in this room, it's very hard to believe. Why? Because we have a lot of people who are close to us who have failed in keeping their promise. Oh, yeah, I'll be there at that time. No, they won't. Oh, yeah, we'll go out and we'll do a little vacay. No, you won't, because now things are busy at work. Like how many times, some of you grew up in that kind of environment where your parents promised you so many things, but they broke every single one. That's why some of you right now in this room, you do not trust people. It's hard for you to trust people. Some of us, we have been the promise breakers. And that is why it is difficult for us to really understand that there is a God who makes a promise and that he will always fulfill it 100%. That's why this throne of David that was prophesied long ago, he continued to faithfully stay true to it until Jesus Christ was born. And now we see that it is through the throne of David, here's the son, the Messiah, who has come. It's a fulfillment of a prophecy. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16, this is, as many of you know, when David was selected as the king. And over his brothers, you'll see this in 1 Samuel, but even 2 Samuel says this, Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be what? Established forever. So once again, not only was it something that was promised, but then it was reiterated. And now Jesus Christ came into this world who was born in a descent of David. And now he is upon the government upon his shoulders will be established. And this foundation of righteousness and justice will rule over this earth to bring this awesome peace. And it is something that is not temporary, but it is everlasting. This will be done for sure because of what we see, which is it is from the zeal of the Lord. Let me, let me kind of give you a little bit of understanding the zeal of the Lord. It is translated as a passionate commitment. That's what the zeal of the Lord is. It's a passionate commitment by God. Look at some of these other translations to help you to understand better. The passionate commitment of the Lord Almighty will what? Guarantee this. If someone told you there is this um, currency that you can actually buy, you can't really touch it. You can't really, but it's all electronic. You're like, ooh. And it will guarantee that it will never be stolen, not even, uh, what is it, a hundred some billion dollars. I mean, it sounds so good. But once again, as you know, there is nothing in this world that can be guaranteed 100% outside of God. Unless you have the power to go back in time and to look ahead to the now. So therefore, all of us in this room will have insider trader information and we'll all buy Google and Apple stocks. 
Can you imagine? You'll be set for life. <laughs> but we don't have that capability. We're not God. The beautiful thing about the zeal of the Lord is his passionate commitment to fulfill what he has said he will do. And because through his son, Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, that means that you and I, if we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we can have this peace that is eternal. It is guaranteed. Look at this other translation of the zeal of the Lord. It says this, the voice translation. The intense passion of the eternal commander of heavenly armies will what? Carry this to completion. That reminds us of even Paul when he talked about to the Philippians. He says, he who began a good work in you will finish it to completion. It's God who finishes. It's God who completes. God who is always faithful to what he said he will do. And that is why we can be certain that God will accomplish what he started. And he will be faithful and passionate in his commitment to us for the long haul until it is fulfilled, until it is done. That's why it's amazing when you think about this for a moment. Not only is Jesus' peace extensive, it goes into our spiritual relationship, it goes into our internal things that we wrestle with, it goes to even the relational aspect. But this peace is everlasting, that is guaranteed because he's a promise keeper. That's why when you look at so many followers of Jesus Christ, and I'm not talking about just those who are just recently became Christian because you're still growing, where we all are. But I'm just thankful because I was reading something a couple days ago, and it reminded me of one of my professors who discipled me when I was in seminary. He must be almost 90, 92, 93 years old. He's definitely in his 90s. And he wrote this incredible book called The Master Plan of Evangelism that is quoted by anyone who talks about evangelism, anyone who talks about discipleship, they quote him. And I had the privilege of being mentored by him, discipled by him uh, during my seminary years. And as I was reading this article, one of the things that this journal did was they interviewed him and said, would you change anything that this book has sold millions and translated into many, many different languages around the world? He says one of the things he would change is this idea of incarnation, that Jesus Christ came into this world. And here I was thinking, like, here's a man who could be set and just be like, you know, I'm ready to see Jesus face to face. But he's still thinking about how do I understand discipleship and growing in my relationship with God. And that's why when I was thinking about this, I said, man, every single one of us, not only do we all need to keep on growing, but as you keep on growing, I'm telling you right now, this peace that I'm, I'm sharing with you that was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 9, this peace, as it's extensive and everlasting, you are going to understand this more and more regardless of what you face in your life. Some of you are going to go through some tremendous things, painful things in the future. Now, I, I pray that many of you will not have to, but some of you might. Some of you have experienced the death of a loved one. Some of you have not. Some of you have gone through tragedies. Some of you have not. 
But one of the things that you realize is life is full of so many things that are outside of your control. There are so many things that will happen that will cause some of us to say, God, is it really worth following you? This is when the peace of God has to come. This is when the Prince of Peace that you know personally has to come and speak to you and tell you that no matter what you're facing, I have overcome the world. That's why it's about trust. That's why it's about fully abiding in Him and believing that He's not only good, but He's present with us in our lives, walking with us, hearing us, comforting us, but He's also the God who is sovereign, that we might not fully understand all that He's doing, but one thing we've learned as we're getting older and older is that He always works all things out, and it's always for our good and for His glory. I'm wondering for some of us, if this kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, then do you believe that you can experience this day or this peace until the day you die? He's offering to that peace into your life this morning. And I think this is why, even as we talk about the birth of Jesus on this Christmas day, this is simply the gospel. That every single one of us, especially Adam and Eve, they sinned against God and there was hostility or enmity between God and humankind. And we were born sinful into this world. Some of you are like, no, kids are so cute. No, they're not. You just put one toy and two kids and they will, it will teach you about the depravity of man. <laughs> they will teach you. We are born sinful. We're sinful in our hearts. We're sinful in our thoughts. We're sinful in all that we do. And because of that sinfulness, we are now become enemies with God. He has to punish sin. And many of us, we forget that. And so what do we try to do? We try to do all these things to try to be good so that all the bad can now be outweighed by all the good. And so if we do more good, then maybe this bad won't be so bad and then God will forgive us or God will give us grace or God will allow us to go to heaven. That's the problem with the world is because we are all believing that somehow we could do all the good things and somehow erase all the bad. And I'm telling you this morning, you cannot because every single one of us, whether you like it or not, you're going to have to confess there is sin of commission where you commit a sin, things that you should not do that you do, and there is sin of omission, things that you should do that you do not do. So every single one of us this morning, we're guilty under the holiness of God. But that's the bad news. But let me tell you the good news. The good news simply says, that God, knowing our sinfulness, instead of destroying us, instead of punishing us, he decided to send his son. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a child is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And that he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And this Prince of Peace Jesus Christ, when he came into this world, all of the angels and those who waited for the Messiah, they declared, 
Glory to God in the highest. The peace has come to this world and goodwill to men and women. That this birth of Jesus can now give us a relational peace, an internal peace, and a spiritual peace, most of all, between us and God. Now, no longer does he see you as a sinful person who's deserving of God's wrath. He sees you as a son or a daughter of God, that he loves you, that he has a plan and a purpose for your life if we will humble ourselves and receive him as Lord and Savior. That is the Christmas message, is that Jesus was born so that we can have life. And not only life, but have the hope that we talked about last week and to have the peace that we talked about today. And so once again, Jesus' peace offers us this calmness within us, even when we face the unstableness of this world. I'm just going to give us a couple things as practical steps. Now, you need to follow along because one of them, I was debating whether to do this or not, but I realized that so often I myself and I think many of us can testify, we go through life and there's going to be consequences to holding on to stress and anxiety. Now, some of you are good because you're just chill. Everything's chill. You know, the house is burning. Oh, okay, yeah, thanks. You know, so somehow God wired you up. You're just really calm. Some of you leave the house and go, oh, did I turn off the stove? Oh, did I turn off the light? And you go back in and it was all taken care of. Anyway, you go out and you're late. We're all wired up differently. So I was thinking, should I share this? Should I not? And I was just thinking, I think I should. And so I'm going to share it with you. Let me give us several things that I want us to try to apply. And one of them, we're going to actually practice together. And some of you are like, what are we practicing? Merry Christmas. <laughs> and so some of you know this, some of you don't. But I realized it helped me. And those of you who don't know, I, I, I was a psychology major and a sociology major. And because of that, also I read a lot of journals on things related to the mind, to society, and that oftentimes leads to medical journals. I mean, I, I read many different things, and I realize that more and more, the things that the Bible teaches and talks about, people are now slowly discovering, oh, there's some truth to this. When we already had the truth all along, if we just trust in God and read His Word, everything He says is true. So here's the first thing that I want us to think about especially this coming week, in order to experience this peace from the Prince of Peace. The first thing is this. Practice the four, seven, eight breathing. So I'm like, huh? Those of you who have been with our church from last year and on, you know what that is. What is the four, seven, eight breathing? Well, we call the four, seven, eight because it comes from Scripture. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Listen to what it says. It says, and the what? peace of God. Not the peace of this world, but the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Well, what would it do? Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, it says what? To think about such things. 
So the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. So that's why whatever is noble, whatever is good, whatever is of God, to think about such things, because it's going to help us. Now, think about when you're stressed. That's the last thing that you think about. You're worried about, oh my God, what's going to happen? And so many things running through your mind. So, people have discovered, the medical field, they have discovered that oftentimes when you're going through a stressful situation, the amygdala, which is this little walnut-sized thing in your brain, it, it responds with a fight or flight. So a lot of times when you're stressed, you either get very hostile or you just run away because you're scared. And it's in those moments when you need God and His peace more than ever before. So one of the things that we've been trying to train people is that when you go through very stressful times, it could be anything. For some of us, it could be standing up in public. It could be social gatherings. It could be meeting that person, whatever it is. We're saying practice the four, seven, eight breathing. So what you do is you inhale for four seconds. So, okay, inhale air, okay? So you inhale air for four seconds. So you go. And then for seven seconds, you hold it. Now some of you are like, oh my God, I don't even know if I can hold it for seven seconds. You can. You might have to do some steps or whatever, but you hold it for seven seconds. And then eight seconds, you release it really slowly. It has been proven medically that it helps to calm, calm you down and switch off the fight and flight so that you could think clearly instead of having tunnel vision when the amygdala is affected. So some of you are like, are we in a yoga class? You know, I thought this was church. So that's why I was debating, but I really feel... It's a scriptural principle where we're thinking and what we're doing is we're controlling our breathing so that the Prince of Peace can come over our lives. Can I ask us just to practice that for a second? I'll count it on my finger. So if you're like, this is really weird. I'm never coming to church again. Okay, well, thank you for coming today. Ho hope to see you in heaven, all right? But because uh, <laughs> not only do I want to speak truth to you and help you in that way, I want to give you practical things to help you. Because I believe that the Word of God can transform your life. Jesus Christ can, no matter what situation. That's why if something like this, which is a medically proven thing, can help us, I want us to do it. Are you ready? Okay, we're going to have four seconds to take in air. Hold it for seven seconds. And then for eight seconds, breathe it out really slowly. All right, we're going to try to do it together. If you really think this is weird, you just, just go like this and just stare at me, all right? And I'll get it, okay? All right? Are we ready? Here we go. Hold it. Exhale slowly, slowly, eight seconds. You do that several times, and I guarantee you, whenever you're in a stressful situation, you're going to be reminded that Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, has overcome this world. So therefore, the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So whatever is noble, 
whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is excellent, all these good things about who God is, think about such things. And you'll start feeling this peace, Jesus Christ, right there in your midst. So the first thing is practice the 4, 7, 8 breathing from Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. The second thing is this, pause to gain some perspective. Too often we are going through stressful times and we do not take the time to just pause. I'm telling you right now, if you could just stop everything and just try to gain that perspective, focusing on Jesus, I'm telling you right now, the Prince of Peace, you'll be able to look at that situation. You know what? This is temporary. You know what? This is going to pass. I'm going to trust in God. Look at the verse that I want to give you right now. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 and 4 says this. You will keep in perfect and constant peace the one whose what? Mind is steadfast, that is committed and focused on you. In both inclination and character, because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. Trust confidently in the Lord forever. He is your fortress, your shield, your banner. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock, the rock of ages. See, sometimes when you just pause and you remind yourself of who God is, it will help you to give some perspective. And the last thing is this, pray for God's peace. I mean, it might seem so simple, but simply as you're feeling all this anxiety and stress, say, God, God of peace, give me your peace. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, come in the midst of my situation. Look at this verse here in 2 Thessalonians. It says this. Is there a 2 Thessalonians? Okay, there isn't a 2 Thessalonians. Oh, there we go. Here we go. It says, now may though, come on, say this, the Lord of Peace. So once again, he's the Lord of the peace. It's from him. Himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. The Lord be with you all. See, the Lord of peace himself give you his peace. That's why we should pray for his peace to come into our lives in that situation, in that moment. I want to close with this uh, quick video that it's a song that I just heard recently. It's called Peace in Christ. And it's sung by these two families that were, uh, decided to did a cover to the song. And just some pictures of the birth of Jesus, just kind of reminding us why he's the Prince of Peace and why he came into this world. As we're watching this, let's just listen to the words. And some of the pictures will be there. I think it's from The Chosen. You know, some of you are like, that's my favorite show, you know, season three. I don't know what season it is. I haven't watched it yet, but people are like, you're going to like it, Pastor. Let me have some time first, and then uh, we'll watch it. Or some of you, well, I don't need to watch it. I have it in the Bible, right? The summary. <laughs> but somebody just recently posted something of this one scene that, wow, it moved me. Because it was just a simple gospel of who Jesus Christ was. And so let's just watch this together, and then we'll close out in prayer. And that phrase, I hope you caught it in the song, when there's no peace on earth, there's peace in Christ. And the sad fact is many of us are trying to find peace in this world, 
and we're always finding ourselves empty again and again and the reason is because you cannot find this peace from the things of this world because everything is temporary but true peace comes from the Prince of Peace that's why the peace that he offers is not only extensive but it's everlasting it's eternal some of us are trying to find peace by escaping thinking that a vacation will help you it will not maybe temporarily but you're gonna come back to the same issue some of you might be thinking if I could just distract myself and do all these other stuff my career or study harder or do other things but I'm telling you right now you'll never find that peace that you're looking for true genuine peace comes when you know Jesus Christ and I'm just wondering if there's anybody here who have never trusted fully in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior you can do that today to just simply say Lord Jesus you were born in a major and you came you lived this life that I could not live the perfect life but then you died on the cross so that I can have eternal life and you're at a point where you're saying you know what I cannot find this peace anywhere I'm gonna trust in Jesus your life will never be the same there's some of us here who have been Christians for many many years and there is really no difference between you and somebody who is from another religion or even a person who do not know Jesus Christ and to you I want to encourage you and even challenge you that you have the answer but you cannot just put him on the side you got to allow Jesus Christ the Prince of Peace to rule over your life that means surrendering yourselves trusting in that situation that God will take care of it because he knows better than you he's smarter than you he's stronger than you he's greater than you and to say God I'm gonna fully trust so I'm gonna ask us right now this this morning just between you and God with every head bowed every eyes closed I'm just wondering if there's anyone here just feeling a lot of anxiety going through stress and you know deep inside as we heard this message this morning that you do not have the peace of God that we talked about the shalom and you're just saying you know what I need it I need prayer I want to pray for you and so on the count of three I'm gonna ask you if that's you and you're saying I need the peace of God the Prince of Peace to guard my heart and my mind in this stressful time I want to have this kind of peace regardless of where you are regardless of your journey with Christ whether you're a believer or not if that's you on the count of three I want you to quickly slip up your hands and then put it down and so I can pray for you are you ready on the count of three one two three just slip up your hands right now so many of you thank you for being honest you can put your hands down there's many of us here who's saying I need this peace I'm gonna pray for your Heavenly Father I pray for every single one of these brothers and sisters and friends who lifted up their hands they're going through some things that we might not fully know but you do there's turmoil in their hearts and thoughts in their minds situations that are outside of their control relational conflicts 
Father, whatever it may be, I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus that you will come and do a mighty work in their hearts right now. Remind them that you're greater. Remind them, Lord, there is nothing that's comparable to you. That your peace that transcends all understanding will guard their hearts and their minds. That's in Christ Jesus. So do that right now. Even though situations might not change, but Lord, internally in their hearts, like an anchor in a violent storm, Lord, you will hold them. And that they will be steadfast, trusting, believing. So come Holy Spirit. Do that work in their lives right now. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.